WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. It's the Brian Lehrer Show on WNYC. Good morning, everyone. Today on the show, we'll start in just a minute with Tom Swazi for a candidate interview in the election to replace the pants-on-fire Congressman George Santos, who, of course, got expelled for making up so much of his life story, including on this show, unfortunately. My questions and yours for Tom Swazi. You can start calling now at 212 433 WNYC, call or text a question, 212-433-9692. Also today, our Climate Story of the Week, which we do every Tuesday on the show, and today, kind of a service for many of you who live in New York City, we'll have the city's chief climate officer and two other guests on the new law that has taken effect this year requiring energy efficiency upgrades in many New York City buildings. Now, if you're a landlord or a renter, or a co-op or condo owner, this affects you. We will take your local law 97 questions for your buildings for Mayor Adams, chief climate officer, later this hour. We'll also have the Washington Post diplomatic correspondent, Missy Ryan, today on the multinational efforts to bring peace and justice to Israelis and Palestinians. At the moment, Hamas is blocking a shorter-term ceasefire for hostages deal that multiple other parties have agreed to. And Israel is blocking a longer-term two-state solution for recognition by Saudi Arabia and other Arab states deal that multiple other countries have agreed to. So we'll hear how Secretary of State Blinken, who's back in the area for his fifth trip since October 7th, working with Qatar, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia, uh, how he and they are trying to get the two warring parties unstuck short and long term. And we'll have a call in at the end of the show today for those of you mostly age 40 or under who consider yourself nuns, as in your religious affiliation is none of the above. If that, if that sounds like you, uh, you're not alone. New polling shows you are in the fastest growing religious category in America, especially among young Americans. So that's all all coming up, but we start here. Early voting began on Saturday and runs through this Sunday in the high-stakes race to replace George Santos in Congress. This matters in its own right, of course, for the people in the Queens and Nassau County District. And more than that, all of political America seems to be watching this election as an early swing district bellwether for how to run in November for control of Congress and the presidency, too. We have Democrat Tom Swazi with us for a candidate interview. We have also invited Republican Mozzie Pillip 
Tom Swasey, as many of you will recall, held the seat for three terms before deciding not to run for re-election in 2022 and primary Kathy Hochul for the Democratic nomination for governor instead. Obviously, he lost that race and is now vying to win his old seat in Congress back. Previously, Swasey was the Nassau County executive and the mayor of Glen Cove. And there's some breaking news in this race in the last day. The two candidates have come out on different sides of the bipartisan Senate bill on the border. Swazi is for it. Pillip is against it. So that will be one of our topics, to be sure. And Tom Swazi, as I said, will take some questions from you as well as from me. 212-433-WNYC. Call or text. We just ask questions, not speeches, please. Tom, thanks for coming on for this. Welcome back to WNYC. Brian, it's always good to be on your show. Would you like to start by introducing or reintroducing yourself to the voters? I never like to assume that even though I follow politics closely and I've interviewed you various times in your various roles, uh, that the average listener out there really knows who anybody in your kind of position is. So you can't give a long speech, but take about a minute if you like and just tell the listeners who you are according to you and why you want your old job back. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate it. I, uh, I've devoted most of my adult life to public service. I'm trained as a lawyer and a CPA. I was the mayor of Glen Cove for eight years, county executive for eight years, member of Congress for six years. I've gotten a lot of stuff done. I've helped a lot of people, cleaned up pollution. I've built buildings. I've helped people make their lives better. I've fought crime. And I've always tried to be somebody who works across party lines, someone who tries to find uh, compromise to move things forward. I'll work with anybody. I'll work with Democrats. I'll work with the Republicans. I'll work with progressives. I'll work with conservatives. I'm a Democrat. I'll always be a Democrat. I won't betray my values, but I'll work with anybody who genuinely wants to try and help people and make lives better. We all know what uh, politics has become in our country. I think people are sick and tired of the finger pointing and the backbiting and the petty partisan politics. And I want us to think about what politics could be, where people, instead of offering attacks, offer solutions, where people try to, uh, instead of knocking people down, try to build people up and try and move forward. Uh, All right. Everybody's All right. always dislike Congress. I think it's really disliked right now because it's just not getting anything done. I will say that you and your opponent are attacking each other plenty, and we'll get to some of those attacks going each way. But let me ask you about the area trending Republican and why you think you can break this pattern. Um, Long Island, which used to be largely Democratic or at least meaningfully divided, now looks like a Republican stronghold. All four seats in Congress, both county executives, both county DAs. The Queens part of the district, too, has replaced its Democratic city council person with a pretty MAGA Republican, Vicky Palladino, in the last two elections. Why, in your view, is the area going from blue to red? I think that the people who live in the 3rd Congressional District are, are worried that Democrats are not listening to the concerns that they have. Uh, so I make a point of focusing on the things that they're concerned about. They're concerned about uh, high taxes and the cost of living. I'm the main proponent in all of Congress uh, to bring back the state and local tax deduction. They're concerned about the immigration crisis. I've been talking for years about the need for a bipartisan compromise. We now have a bipartisan compromise. I will support it. My opponent won't. Uh, people are concerned about uh, attacks on local control. I'm in favor of uh, local control. So 
I think uh, the crime in New York City has been a big concern for the residents of Long Island. It's always been a very public safety conscious community. And the crime rate is incredibly low uh, on Long Island and in Northeast Queens. But people have a sense of fear of crime and it getting out of control and the sense of permissiveness. And uh, I've always been someone who uh, stood up for law enforcement. Uh, when I was a county executive at Nassau County, I ran the 12th largest police department in the United States of America. Uh, and we reduced the crime rate to the lowest it's been in its history, uh, the lowest crime rate uh, of any community over 500,000 people. So listen, I'm, the bottom line is they want their elected officials to listen to them. They don't want to hear about these academic debates at the fringes. They want to know that you're going to be focused on the issues that they and their families are concerned about. I've is, tried to do that throughout my entire career. If top issues include the border and crime, is there kind of a disconnect there? I know the district pretty well. I grew up in the Queens part of this district. I'm not sure if you knew that. I've had family and close friends all over the North Shore my whole life. This is, as you say, a low-crime, high-income district, or I'm adding high-income, median income, $130,000, and not very Latino, just 8%, according to Data USA, and very uh, few of the recent asylum seekers. So why do you think these issues, crime and migration, are flipping the area red more than places actually in New York City where there is more crime and more immigration and more concentration of asylum seekers? It can look like a disconnect. Well, in Northeast Queens, there's a tent city in Creedmoor, and the people in Northeast Queens are really concerned about that. Uh, they're concerned about the, the impacts of uh, people living in the area and they can't use their local parks they, or they feel they can't use the local parks. And the Republicans have effectively weaponized the issue of crime uh, and immigration generally and created a sense of fear. There's, there's, there's the reality of the situation is, is that the people of my district, people of Long Island generally, are relatively moderate people. And there's a very strong Republican organization. Remember, when I became the county executive of Nassau County, I was the first Democrat with the Democratic legislature since 1917. We took the wind out of their sails for a good 15 years or so, but now they're back to being a strong Republican organization. And they're effective at weaponizing a lot of these national issues to create fear amongst the residents. And... The fear is, you know, of some of the extremes of, of our party. And I'm pointing out the extremes of the other party as well, the Republican Party. Uh, people don't want extremism. They want common sense. They want people who will work together to actually solve problems. That's what I've tried to do my entire career. My opponent, on the other hand, is doing Republican talk points, extremism. We don't even know any details about her. She's been very loath to be out in public. I'm sure she's not going to be on your show. You said you invited her on your show. She hasn't shown up for any debates. She hasn't shown up for any interviews, no town halls. Uh, and they're just using the Republican machine to try and bring out their vote and focus on the national Republican issues. And she's taking very extreme positions. Uh, I couldn't be further from that as far as being somebody who, who people yeah. know. They know my positions. I'm bipartisan. Uh, and I'm in favor of the bipartisan deal. I'm pro-choice. I've got an F rating from the NRA on guns. Uh, she won't even support uh, a, a semiotic weapon ban. Let's let's talk about some of these positions, yours and hers, uh, and let's start with the border. The new bipartisan Senate bill has been released with various new border policies, plus aid to Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan. You are for it. 
Your opponent has come out against the bill, saying it won't solve the problems at the border like the tougher House Republican bill would. Want to make your case for the Senate bill? Well, first of all, you're never going to pass the House Republican bill. It's an extreme right-wing bill that will never get the votes, certainly in the Senate. Even if Donald Trump was to win, even if the Republicans to win the, were to win the House, under no circumstances, even under the most rosy Republican circumstances, will they get 60 votes in the Senate. So there'll have to be a bipartisan compromise. The House bill is an extreme right-wing bill that destroys uh, the history of our country's relationship with asylum seekers and other issues. It will never be supported. Uh, so you have to compromise. And I've wrote a bipartisan uh, compromise with Peter King back in 2019 the, in the New York Times. The New York Times called it the Grand Compromise. We didn't former former get, Republican congressman from Long Island, Peter King. Right, because I've always tried to work across party lines. You know that I was the vice chair of the Problem Solvers Caucus, 25 Democrats, 25 Republicans. We met every week to find common ground. I know the people that negotiated the bill in the Senate. The, the, the Republican is a relative, really conservative guy from Oklahoma. The Democrat's a, a good Democrat from from Connecticut. And Kirsten Sinema is an independent from out in uh, Arizona. This is a well-thought-out deal that's been hammered out over four months that makes a lot of sense that will give the Republicans a lot of what they want. They, you know, they, want, they want a wall. They want uh, more security, more Border Patrol agents. That's great. But there will also be more immigration judges. And you resolve asylum cases in weeks instead of 10 years. There's a 10-year backlog, which is absurd. 80% of the people who seek asylum get denied asylum. But, and 20% get granted. And that's the history for decades. But the problem is, is when these cases don't get adjudicated for 10 years, the system's chaotic. So this fix that, fixes that. And it's a, it's a compromise. And that's what people want. They want us to solve the problems and stop the finger pointing. Peter King, by the way, for the record, has endorsed your Republican opponent. He's staying with his party in this race. Um, but, but that's kind that, of the point, Brian. But I, let me just say that's the point. Go ahead. Peter King does not support me politically. Okay, I accept that. But I worked with Peter King and made compromises on issues like the state and local tax deduction to work together. On guns, we worked together. On immigration, we worked together. On getting money to clean up the Navy Grumman and Plume and Bethpage, we worked together. I'll work together with anybody. Even if you don't support me and I don't agree with you on a whole bunch of stuff, I'll work with you if we can find common ground on, to actually serve the people. That's what, what politics is supposed to be. Um, the House Republican border bill known as H.R. 2, which you said is extreme and it'll never get through the Senate, would have a Trump-style border wall, according to what I've read, 900 miles. And under that bill, asylum seekers would stay either in Mexico or in detention centers in the U.S. while their claims for asylum are assessed. And you just acknowledged that 80 percent of people who claim asylum are denied on the merits. Do you oppose those provisions? I'm, I'm not opposed to building a, uh, a physical structures, a wall, if it's part of a compromise. OK, if you need to get the Republicans on board to try and speed up this, these asylum cases, to get more immigration judges, to get more resources, to treat people like human beings. I'm happy to compromise to give them a wall if that's their big thing. Uh, as far as remain in Mexico, you know, I don't think that that necessarily makes sense because people are treated so poorly there. But I do want the cases adjudicated quickly. And I want them adjudicated in such a fashion that 
it's fair uh, to people, but it also lives up to the American principles. I mean, there are people that are seeking, legitimately seeking asylum. The reason there's a need for reform is that this underground organized crime entities that are making billions of dollars off of transporting people to our southern border and telling them how to evade the existing asylum laws it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and so, the, the, the Senate bill um, allows the president to shut down the border only after there are 4,000 contacts, 4,000 migrants having contacts um, with officials per day for a week. The Republicans or or 8,500 in one day. Yeah, either and, way, and, and, it sounds to Republicans like a really big number. It's still pretty open. Can I make this very clear? The Wall Street Journal says this is a good bill. Fox News is saying this is a good bill. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce says this is a good bill. My opponent, Mozzie Pillip, thinks she knows better than all of them because she's taking the talk points from former President Trump, who told uh, Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, don't do a bill. I don't want to give Biden a victory, and I want to be able to run on this issue. That is, as Mitt Romney said, appalling. That's what's wrong with politics in the United States of America these days, where it's all about theater and tweets and campaigns, and it's not about solving problems and making people's well, lives better. One other so, thing on this, on this topic, the House Republicans under Speaker Mike Johnson have now released an alternative bill while there's a deadlock on the border bill that's a standalone with just aid to Israel. He says that's a consensus priority. The border bills in Ukraine are still in dispute. So let's go ahead with just aid to Israel. And here's a clip of your opponent, Mazi Pillip, on a PIX11 candidates forum. They interviewed her and they interviewed you back to back. As you know, this is before the Senate bill was released, but I think it stands. She's supporting that Israel aid alone approach. This begins with the moderator's question. Should the aid to Israel and Ukraine depend on a border deal? I don't think so. The way I see it, I would like to separate the three deals, okay? Because Israel right now under attack since October 7th. Israel is going through a tough, tough time. We're talking about hostages still uh, with Hamas hands. Six of them is American citizen. I think people are forgetting the fact that we're talking about American citizens still with Hamas, and we have to bring them home. So we need to support Israel now without any condition. Mazi Pillip on PIX11. So, Tom Swazi, do you agree on an Israel-only bill for now while the border bill is stuck? First of all, I'd be happy to support an Israel-only bill. But let's remember that it's Mozzie Pillip and her benefactors that are the ones who pushed for a border deal as part of Israel and Ukraine support. The Republican Party are the ones who said, we are conditioning support for Israel and Ukraine on getting a border bill done. They pushed for it. They pushed for it. They pushed for it. And now they got it. And they're saying, up, oh, we're going to kill it. It's, it's the height of hypocrisy. It's cynical. It's so wrong. Uh, so uh, it, it, I'm not going to fall for this trap, okay? If there's an Israel-only bill and I was in the Congress, I'd vote for it. I'm an I'm a unequivocally supporter of Israel. But this is, this is a bunch of BS because the reality is, is the Republicans are the ones. James Lankford, the Republican conservative from Oklahoma, said, we as Republicans locked arms together. 
and we said we will not support Ukraine and Israel unless we get a border deal. They pushed for it. And now that he's finally negotiated the deal, he's saying they're, they're, now they're trying to kill the deal. It doesn't make sense. And they're doing it only because former President Trump has told everybody, don't give Biden a victory. That's just plain wrong. And my opponent is just doing the marching orders of the Republican Party and going along with the extremism of the Republican Party that are playing politics with people's lives. That's wrong. So the choice is clear. Tom Suozzi is a bipartisan, get things done, try to make people's lives better elected official. My opponent, Mazzy Pillip, in this race is an extreme Republican doing the marching orders of Mike Johnson and Tom Emmer and President Trump and the other people that are just trying to push our country into a far right extreme direction. Here's here's a political question um, that we've gotten two versions of already from listeners and text messages. Uh, I guess this is from Democrats who who support you. Uh, one version is, could you ask Swazi where his lawn signs are in Massapequa? So far, I've seen one on a fence by the zombie mall. Are Republicans really taking down signs? If so, how do uh, Swazi supporters fight back? And another one, I'm just p- trying to put this up. Uh, that's a really good question. Well, the other one just says two words for Swazi. Lawn signs. Neighbor, neighbors want to see who neighbors support. I guess there are a lot of pillow lawn signs that people are seeing. So we put up 9,000 lawn signs, okay, more than I've ever done in any campaign in my career. And because the Republican Party is back to being the machine that it was in the old, bad old days when Al D'Amato came out of the organization and you used to have to pay 1% of your salary if you had a county or a town job, it's back to the being like that in those old days. They control the town of Oyster Bay, the town of North Hempstead, the town of Hempstead, the county of Nassau, and they control all the public works departments. And the public works employees literally go up and down the streets and take down the, my signs and leave the, my opponent's signs up. They have uh, uh, brigades of people that go around at night tearing up my signs, ripping them up. It's, you know, it's, it's the bad old days as far as politics. And we've, we've put up thousands and thousands and thousands of signs only to have them ripped up again. But we'll put them up again. We'll keep on putting them up. People should go to the website, call the campaign, uh, go to www.tomswaziforcongress.com and order a lawn sign. We'll be happy to get you more lawn signs. But they're ripping them down. That's the bottom line. We'll continue in a minute with Tom Swazi in a candidate interview for that third congressional district seat in the district covering parts of Nassau County and a little bit of Northeast Queens. This is, of course, the special election to replace George Santos. Early voting is underway and continues through Sunday, and then Election Day itself is next Tuesday. Um, We have other issues to cover, comparing he and his opponent on the Middle East, on abortion rights, on gun safety, And we will get to some of your phone calls, 212-433-WNYC, or you uh, can continue to text questions as well, 212-433-9692. Stay with us. Brian Lehrer on WNYC as we continue with our candidate interview with Tom Swazi running uh, as the Democrat to replace George Santos in the current special election. Um, Because I have family in the district and I go there often, I've been collecting mailers that your campaign has been sending out in large numbers. 
uh, one a day to um, one of my relatives' homes there. Let me ask you about some of the ways that you're campaigning here. Here's one that says, Swazi is determined to work with anyone to increase police funding, strengthen border security, combat gun violence, work to end the migrant crisis. So in that flyer, you're running on all Republican talking points, increase police funding. You don't say plus police reforms to fight mass incarceration. You say strengthen border security and work to end the migrant crisis as two of the four. You don't say comprehensive immigration reform or help the asylum seekers, as many other Democrats also highlight. The only exception is combat gun violence. Both parties say that. But why focus your police and migrant language in that flyer so similarly to how Republicans do? Well, first of all, let me just say that Republicans do not focus on preventing uh, gun violence uh, in any way whatsoever. I have, have, diff- have different ways, right? Oh, no, they don't do it. I have an F rating from the NRA. My opponent is taking the Republican talking points from the NRA on a regular basis, and we couldn't be more different. I'm, uh, Did I'm she a, get their endorsement? I don't actually know. So is that fair? Did I, she get an NRA I, endorsement? I don't know the answer to that either. Okay. I, I know that she's been supported by people like Tom Emmer and, and Mike Johnson, who certainly get the NRA endorsement. Um, this is the best campaign I've ever been involved in. I, it's an incredibly well-run campaign as far as we've raised the money, we're doing the, the TV and the mailings, uh, and we're getting the vote out. We have a great field operation. We have enormous amount of volunteers, uh, a great ground campaign. It's, it's a really remarkably well-run campaign. And the bottom line is, you said, you know, these are Republican talk points. You brought up crime, you brought up immigration, you brought up guns, you brought up something else. I forget what the other one was. But the bottom line is, these are not Republican talk points. Well, it wasn't crime. Yeah. It was get more police funding. Right. So public safety. People are concerned about public safety. American people, Democrats and Republicans, are concerned about public safety. When you see cops getting beat up in New York City and then getting let out, uh, so, and then they, 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 they leave the area, that pisses off Democrats and Republicans. It's outrageous. So pe- you, you, these are not, uh, uh, you're, you're living in a bubble if you think that only Republicans are concerned about crime. You're living in a bubble if you think that only Republicans are concerned about immigration. You're living in a bubble if you think that only Republicans are concerned about taxes. These are people issues. These are American issues. This is why uh, other Democrats have lost these districts is because they're not focused on the issues that people are talking about with their families. I've always been a person who focuses on fairness and justice and democratic issues and trying to help people and serve the poor and clean up the environment and all the other typical democratic issues that we would want to highlight. I'm endorsed by every democratic organization you can think of, and they're all working to help me uh, in this race. But we have got to focus on what the people are talking about. They're talking about crime. They're talking about immigration. They're talking about taxes. And this is not new. I was on your show when I ran for governor in a Democratic primary. I talked about the same issues. I got killed in a Democratic primary, and, and that's okay. It was fair and square. But that's the issues I've always been focused on. That's why I think that I can win this race, despite the fact that the enormous uh, 
anti-democratic feeling that there's been because they know I'm a Democrat that focuses on what the people care about. And that's what I'll always do. My opponent in this race is an extremist. She's a far right wing extremist. And maybe she's not even a right wing extremist because she wasn't once registered as a Republican. I mean, as, as a, a Democrat. Democrat, as a Democrat. But she's talking like a right wing extremist. She's, she had Tom Emmer and Mike Johnson come campaign for her and do fundraisers for her. She won't do anything in public. And she's, she's come out publicly and said she's pro-life and she supports the Supreme Court Dobbs decision. And uh, she's endorsed by the conservative party. She doesn't want to make a compromise on the immigration deal. She doesn't support a, a, a semi-automatic weapons ban, banning AR-15s and the like. She doesn't come out in favor of supporting universal background checks. On, she, I, I don't know what she stands for, quite frankly, because she's never in public. On, on calling her pro-life, another of your campaign flyers that I have says, Mazi Pillip is running on an extreme party platform that calls for a ban on abortion in New York with no exceptions for rape and incest, quoting from your flyer. But, but I want to ask a, you— It's actually a flyer from the House Majority Pack, but okay, go ahead. Okay, in support of you. So I want to ask you if that's a lie or an unfair attack, because here is Ms. Pillip in a Fox 5 interview asked about her position on abortion rights. I am religious, okay, therefore I am pro-life, however— and I want to emphasize the however here, I'm not going to force my own beliefs in any woman. It's not going to happen. Therefore, I'm not going to support a national abortion ban. That sounded clear and unequivocal, at least on a national that abortion so ban. That is so deceptive. That is, that is the Republican talk points that she's been using throughout this. She's, she's trying to trick people. Okay, she is on the conservative party platform. The piece says that she's running on a platform. She's on the New York conservative party You mean she's party on the platform. conservative party line on the ballot as yes. well as Republican? Yes, and she said that she has been vetted by the conservative party and they believe in what she stands for. In addition, she's come right out and said that she's pro-life. She has come out and said that she supports the Dobbs decision. She believes it's good that it was brought back to the states. She said she will not vote to codify Roe versus Wade. This is just a, a complete deceptive move. It's the same as when she says, they ask her about guns. She said, well, I don't think that people should have uh, access to uh, automatic weapons. They don't have access to automatic weapons. Automatic weapons have been illegal in the United States of America since 1986. It's semi-automatic weapons like the AR-15s that are illegal. These are deceptive practices that are being used by her handlers and why she hasn't engaged in any debates or come on your show or many other shows that are not friendly audiences for her. So uh, it's just a, a deceptive campaign. How in the age of post-George Santos, how is it possible that a candidate refuses to take the debate stage up until this point in the campaign? How is it possible that they refuse to take questions at a town hall meeting or go to civic meetings? How is it possible that she won't come on your show or other shows like yours uh, throughout this process? So uh, you've got the one debate coming Thursday night on News 12, right? Which does not show in Queens. And it's five days before the election and early voting started on Saturday. Yes, that's correct. Available, I guess, if she only, show, if she only shows. on cable uh, in, uh, in Nassau County, right, on News 12. Um, but, but just to follow up one more time on 
on the abortion question. Um, she did say in that clip, I'm not going to force my own beliefs on any woman. Okay, let's make this very clear, okay, that uh, Amy Comet Barrett and uh, Kavanaugh both said that they wouldn't overturn Roe versus Wade. If she won't even show up for a debate, if she won't even stand up to the bosses that are telling her not to support the immigration compromise, if she won't come on your show, she's going to all of a sudden show this streak of independence to stand up to the right-wingers to control the Republican Party uh, in, in Washington, D.C.? The bottom line is she has said clearly she praised the Supreme Court decision, the Dobbs decision. She said clearly she will not vote to codify Roe. Uh, the, the, it, the, 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 the distinction between she and I couldn't be more clear on that particular issue. Jack in Queens in the district in Bayside. You're on WNYC with Tom Swazi. Hi, Jack. Hi. Hi, Tom. Thanks for the, taking the call. So the question I had is if I've heard a report, I don't know if it's true or not, that Biden is going to veto the Israel bill. So, uh, I don't know where you would have heard that. The president, I went to Israel. I went to Israel okay. in December. Wait, let me just I, be clear about the question because for our listeners. Um, when you say veto the Israel bill, do you mean the House standalone Israel aid bill uh, that assumes the border bill does not get through? So the standalone Israel aid bill that Speaker Johnson wants and Mozzie Phillips supports. Jack, is that the bill you're talking about that you heard Biden would veto? Uh, yes. I, listen, I know Tom is supportive of Israel, and I've met him. I think he's a great guy. But I am concerned about the report that Biden will report, will veto, veto. the aid to Israel. All right. And I haven't seen that report, so I'm, I'm even a little you know, slow to say that as fact. But okay, you're calling and saying you heard that. So yeah, well, this, maybe it's true. There's a, there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation that people are using in politics these days, using, you know, different group chats and texts and emails and WeChat and WhatsApp and that kind of stuff, trying to spread disinformation uh, about things. The president is one of the most ardent supporters of Israel. I went to Israel in December. Uh, I visited with a family that uh, uh, is from Plainview, whose son is taken hostage. I actually... Turns out I met met the young man, Omer Nutra, when he went, was at the Solomon Schechter School. I was a big supporter of the Solomon Schechter School. Uh, I, I, I met with the, the IDF. I met with the, uh, I went down to Kafar Aza in the Gaza envelope, saw the gruesome things that happened there. I, I was there for the, at the hostage square. The bottom line is I was shocked at how popular Joe Biden is in Israel. He's not popular in my district. He's not popular in the, in the, as we would like in the country. Wait, he but is popular in your district. He won in your district, right? Well, he, he won beat by Trump eight, in your he, he district. He won in my by district eight by eight points. That's but pretty now good. He's, now his favorables to unfavorable are very bad, Okay, as are Trump's. They're both yes. underwater. Uh, but he's not popular in my district right now. But, Joe, the people in Israel are so grateful to Joe Biden for the incredible support he has shown them throughout this process, uh, not only being the only U.S. president to ever go to Israel during wartime, not only for the, what they believe is the best speech they ever heard from a U.S. president on their behalf, not only for sending the aircraft carriers there, but for actually standing up and supporting them despite the withering attacks he's facing from the, from the left in, his, in our, his own party. Yeah. 
here, here's sort of the opposite side of that from another listener, Peter in New Hyde Park, via text. What is Swazi's plan to end the immense human suffering we're seeing in Gaza? And why hasn't he made outreach to the growing Muslim community in his district? Even Santos did that, writes this listener. First of all, I have tremendous support in the Muslim community. I'm the founder of the Uyghur Caucus in Congress, which are the Muslims that are discriminated, are discriminated against in, in forced labor camps in China. I'm, I was the co-chair of the Pakistani caucus and went to Pakistan, the first member of Congress to go there in 2022 after the historic flooding there. Uh, I've supported Muslims back when I was county executive, putting them in my administration right after 9-11. Uh, so I have very good relationships in the Muslim community. Uh, they're not happy that I'm so strongly in favor of supporting Israel during this difficult time, but they realize that uh, I'm the best bet they've got in this difficult situation right now. I believe that what we should be doing is what the administration is doing, what the Europeans are doing, what, it, what others are doing, which is trying to negotiate with the Saudis and with other Sunni Arab states to build a coalition to rebuild Gaza so that there will actually be a government that will focus not on terrorism and building tunnels and trying to kill Jews, but a government that focuses on educating children and sewer and water and public works and picking up the garbage and doing the things that government is supposed to do. Uh, so, uh, right. again, and you're not, and you're running against Mazi Pillip who lived in Israel and is, was in the IDF. You're not running against a progressive Democrat, but some other Democrats would say Americans are dying now over there to support Netanyahu's war the way he's fighting it, allowing so many civilian casualties, and he ignores President Biden's pleas for a less civilian intensive approach, even while saying, of course, Israel has a right to defend itself. And now Americans are dying in the Jordan drone attacks for this approach that our government actually objects to. So well, we have um, to be very would clear. you say anything to those fellow Democrats, about conditions on aid or anything else? No, I don't support conditions on aid to Israel whatsoever. And I want to make it very clear that, you know, there is a concerted attack by Iran to try and destroy stabilization in the Middle East. And they are supported by Russia and they are supported by communist China. And they are all working in league to destabilize democracy, our democracy and other democracies throughout the world. This is all part of this. And... Uh, the bottom line is is that I will uh, work to try and bring peace to this area, but I'm going to support the experts who are working on this day and night uh, with the intelligence and the military backgrounds to try and figure out what the best way forward is in a way that we have to defeat Hamas. Hamas is not some like uh, uh, loose confederation of, 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 of desert soldiers. They're a sophisticated, disciplined terror army whose mission is to destroy Israel and kill Jews, and they must be stopped. If, we, if people had come to us when we were going after Osama bin Laden, and Osama bin Laden said, okay, listen, I want to I cease fire, I want to have peace, uh, all I want to do is come move to Staten Island, and you can trust me. I'll be right next door, but don't worry, well, I, don't, I won't do anything again. Nobody would believe that. So this is people that are living right next door that are focused on destroying your country and killing your people. And that's what they will continue to do. This is, this is, this is, you know, when I was in Congress, I did a bipartisan bill with a congressman from Wisconsin named Mike Gallagher called the Human Shields Act, which is that 
Hamas and Hezbollah and other terrorist organizations use civilians and they put the civilians nearby their weapons stockpiles on purpose. They put their weapons stockpiles near churches and near mosques and near uh, people's homes so that if you try and take out their weapons stockpiles or their or their terrorist organizations, that civilians are going to be killed in the process. They do it on purpose so they can say, oh, you're killing civilians. What? So one, they have got to be stopped. They are. They are. You can. I'm. I'm Mr. Negotiate with anybody. I'll work with anybody to try and make a deal. Some people can't be negotiated with. You can't negotiate with 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 Hamas. They're terrorists trying to kill us. One more question from a listener, and this one also comes from texts. The way it turned out this time, more the uh, focused questions we asked for. Well, focused questions came in text messages than phone calls. So most of the questions we've taken for Tom Swazi have been from your texts. And here's one that um, um, that picks up on a Mozzie Pillip ad against you that's been on television a lot. It says, Tom, do you deny saying that you kicked ICE out of Nassau County, or are you claiming that that was just an AI-generated video soundbite? Now, for people who haven't seen it, there's a political ad running that does show Tom Swazi boasting, I kicked ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement, out of Nassau County. Explain. Okay. Let me make this very, very clear. In 2007, nine years before my opponent was even registered to vote, even voted in an election, uh, I was the county executive of Nassau County who had reduced the crime rate to the lowest crime rate in the United States of America for any community over 500,000 people. ICE came to Nassau County. They refused to cooperate with our police department. They had 96 warrants. They broke, they did pre-dawn raids, knocking down people's doors, coming in with shotguns, wearing cowboy hats, scaring the hell out of people. Of those 96 warrants, 90 were for for the wrong addresses. They pulled their guns, not only on these families at the wrong addresses, but they pulled their guns on two Nassau County police officers. My police commissioner came to me and said, Mr. County Executive, we can't work with these guys. They're not coordinating with us. They're coming here in here like a bunch of cowboys. They're not properly trained. We're trying to do community policing here in Nassau County. That's why we've been successful in reducing the crime rate. We can't work with them. Please don't let them come here again. So I sent a letter to the Secretary of uh, Homeland Security at the time, Michael Chertoff, and said, you guys can't do this. You can't come in and work like this. Unless you follow the rules and work with our police department, we're not going to allow, we're going to kick you out of Nassau County, which we did. Uh, and they came back year, a couple of years later. But we've worked with other agencies like the FBI and others. I've always been pro-law enforcement. But pro-law enforcement, as you were trying to point out earlier, also includes having police officers or law enforcement agencies follow the rules. And I've always stood up for following the rules and treating people properly in the process. You can be both pro-law enforcement and pro-justice and uh, pro-community policing. They all go hand in hand. And there we leave it with Democrat Tom Suozzi running in the special election to replace George Santos in Congress. Early voting continues today through Sunday with Election Day itself next Tuesday, February 13th. Tom Suozzi, thank you very, very much. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me on the show. And you got me all hyped up because I, I, I never get to debate anybody anymore. So it's, it's good that you, 
You let me on the show. I appreciate one it. Moderator's, very much. One moderator's tough questions is as close as you're going to get. Well, you are. there is going to be a debate. I should tell people if they want to see it uh, and if they have access to it Thursday night on News 12 um, on, on Long Island on cable. That's going to be the one Mozzie Pillip, Tom Swazi debate. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Bye. And again, we have invited Republican candidate Mozzie Pillip for this week for this show, and we'll see if she accepts.